If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. It's been a long time coming, but yes, it's back. This is Grounded, your one-stop shop for everything that you need to know about South African gardening. Yes. <gasps> and especially when it comes to having one of my favorite people back in studio with me, Carrie ah, Goodwin from you. Life is a Garden. Of course, this is going to be the Life is a Garden podcast today. Yes, for sure. I don't know if you noticed, but just Everything is looking beautiful at the moment. I find not only our gardens, our gardens, our parks, our streets, everything's in bloom. Everything's purple. Yes, because I have purple rain. <laughs> I sweep my my yard and I go outside. The next morning, it's just a purple carpet. <laughs> Obviously, live under a jacaranda. I live under a number of jacarandas, unfortunately. Oh. Yes, which is because then you you when they go when it's been raining and then they go all brown and then you yeah. slip on them. Yeah. Not yeah. my favorite. No, not mine either. But I do love the contrast of the jacarandas and then they've got the bougainvilleas because this year seems an exceptional year for bougainvillea yes. as well. Yes. And then you have those vibrant violet, you know, the in between, in between yes. the, the lovely pale lavender. Oh, oh it, no, it's been beautiful. Yeah. So I do think that even people who aren't gardeners should just be enjoying the color that plants are giving us in our surrounding environments at the moment. I mean, I don't know how anybody keeps their eyes on the roads. Mine are always in the trees and on the pavements to see what else is going on. Well, I've been traveling around the country and seeing various things. It was quite interesting. Now that um, the jacarandas have been in blossom for what last month, a few mm. weeks at least, driving around where you can see jacarandas all over the place, not just in Johannesburg, which is actually should be Jacaranda City. We have more than Pretoria, <laughs> even though they call themselves, but they have the white jacarandas. So I suppose maybe we can forgive them maybe, a little bit. Yeah. But like literally all the way up through Mpumalanga, Limpopo, you <gasps> find the jacarandas into, into um, the northwest as well. Yes. Lots of jacarandas all over. And it is a wonderful time of year. And yes, we know that outside of urban areas, they are declared invaders, but there's a certain something which is just so gorgeous. And so yeah. it feels like home. I was going to say with that pop of purple, I don't know, that's when you drive to me when we're driving on long distances and you just see, see them. See the purple. It is, as you say, that familiarity, yeah. that kind of I am a home or I am a South African. It is a symbol of our country, Yeah, I feel, even though they – South American. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But look, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a pop of purple. It's a plop of purple because they're always <laughs> plopping down. You can actually hear them going plop, plop, plop. So it's a purple rain. Okie dokie. <laughs> makes me think more of the song. <laughs> but then when you go with that, you've also got all the agapanthus are starting to bloom now. Oh, my gosh. And we and haven't even mentioned this on the show, of course, with Andy DeBet, yeah. with his yeah. breeding program on Agapanthus, let alone what he does with aloes. Yeah. And, of course, winning at <sighs> Chelsea, yes. best plant on show for blackjack. Yeah. Blackjack is lovely, but I've been seeing some amazing, amazing new varieties coming out as well all over the country. Some which aren't actually available in Johannesburg, which is interesting that I've only found some done in KZN. I was going to say Natal has a group, has a different yeah. group of, of Aggies. Breeders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But with Blackjack, what I think Andy was telling us recently, one of the reasons that it won is because it actually met one of the water-wise criterias. So being in our country and being a water-stressed country as we are, mm. it was nice that they appreciated in the UK something that still was water-wise and it made it different because one of the plants it was competing against was a hydrangea. 
which are also looking incredible at the moment. Oh, yeah. But, I went uh, through to Bull Stratov <laughs> for their plant trials. And my goodness, the colors of the hydrangeas. When were there. I was sitting looking at these in my, and other people were walking around. I thought that hydrangeas were supposed to be pink or blue. Oh, no. Did you see the new one? Oh, my goodness. The colors on these things. You've got the maroon, deep purples. You've got like, that's a song as well. You're missing the most important. Which one? The very pale pink? No. No. Way too boring. It was chocolate. Yes. Magical chocolate. Magical chocolate. I can't wait. But it's not really brown. (laughs) No, it's a beautiful like red color. When I was trying to describe it to our team, it reminds me of a chili. And then actually the bright red of the chili is slowly fading to brown. Yes. Because there is actually a chili as well that's called, um, oh, one of the chilies I've just bought recently. Is it a, <laughs> it is a chocolate chili, <laughs> a spicy one. And it reminds me of that, but it, I was so excited when I saw it. I couldn't wait. I, I, I said to Paul Stratov, you know, please, please bring this in quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some amazing things. And also yeah. the, the amount of um, another water-wise plant, the pelagoniums. Oh, and though there's nice, a yeah. deep, deep red. It looks like the velvet curtains on a stage. It has that iridescence going in the flower yeah. as well. It's the deepest red. It's not a bright red. Yeah. What an amazing color. So yeah. these are some of the things that we've seen, which will be coming onto the shelves, hopefully within the next few years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always a treat. I yes. think it's so special. And I think the fact that we get to get new varieties into our country, it's actually also quite a privilege. I know mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a, a long time or a lot of perseverance because I think there's a lot of red tape as well. But um, yeah, they do it really well. And it is exciting, the new stuff that's going to be available mm-hmm. very soon. So I also like the fact that you get to see it in a smaller container because even for ourselves as garden centers and growers you know we imagine the plants small and we're like oh this is what they look like and then when we get to go and see them in your gardens or in the customers gardens or at trials like this where they have beds of them yes we're like oh wow this is what they look like but this is what people don't actually do even in small spaces and Mm -hmm. i've been thinking about this a lot especially like going and seeing various garden centers and how they put their planting together and displays Mm -hmm. because that we'll get onto that as well Mm -hmm. is that mass planting you can't just go and buy one and put it there and expect it to make a big statement unless it's a feature plant in a pot or whatever you need to have mass planting and that we saw in spades at bull startle yeah with the and block colors Yes. Next so they did it other. with all their algoranthinums and yes. the Alstromerias. And oh, this is, this year is also a really good year for Alstromeria. Oh no. Actually, it's amazing. I think a lot of our plants, I'm not sure if it's the, the, the winter that we had, which was really nice and cold. Mm-hmm. And I know we had a lot, we took a long time Very for the rain, rain to come. Yeah. So the plants were like almost bursting at the seams. And then we've had interesting rain for want of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but they just seem to be like, Blooming. Mm. I, I, I don't know how to best to describe it. It feels like we've got an explosion of blossoms all around us. And even those plants which aren't blossoming, you know, if it's a grass or something, they seem to be growing much faster than we would normally expect. Yeah. So it's, it is really wonderful. And I think people should take the time to just go and enjoy it, whether it's, as I say, if you don't have a garden and you have a balcony, you know, look out on or go into your local parks and, just explore. I mean, I'm so, I want it so nosy. I love going and <laughs> driving around the neighborhoods because people are actually spending a lot of time putting things onto their pavements. Mm. And that's what Life as Garden was saying. They were talking about all these different veggies that are growing. You know, maybe you don't have space in your own garden for some of the beautiful new pumpkins or the melons that are available. We did a thing, Michael Rickoff, our dear yeah. friend Michael. Yes. He did a, maybe 10 years ago, he did a kind of a workout going on the, 
uh, maps of Johannesburg itself, how yeah. much arable land there was in the way of pavements outside people's houses. So, of course, the cabbage bandit who got into all the trouble for growing cabbages on his pavement. <laughs> yes, um, I remember that. In Victoria. That was, was just, just wonderful. He, I think he inspired so many people. Mm. And there are so many more people who are doing it. And we discuss, you know, how can we actually create this? And, and the nice thing is, is that people don't come and steal the whole plant. They'll no. take a few leaves and hear that. And it's working yeah. across the country, yes. not just in the urban areas where people are thinking, oh, this is a very fancy thing to do. No. But he worked out how much land is available. It was frightening how much. So we should all be doing we sh- that. We should be doing it. And you could even be planting like a fruit tree or something yeah. like that. You know, those trees that have been taken by the shot hole borer, maybe replace them with something that's edible. Edible, yeah. And then, you know, you would be helping people with their vitamin C or just – I think there's a lot that we could do for our communities, but we're actually doing it for ourselves at the same time. So it's a feel good, feel good. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but as you said, without the space as well. And I mean, I, I'm sure that you, you may, may or may not have seen that, um, this came up on sapeople.com about city water. Well, not city water. What do we call it? Joburg water. Joburg water. water. <laughs> Which is so under so much pressure. Under so much pressure at the moment yeah. with all the bursting pipes and they're going to go into watershedding and all kinds of stuff. So they've actually put out a thing that they think that it would be a good thing for residents to take advantage of heavy rainfall by harvesting rainwater. So, of course, I had to go and put the comment, well, take the money that I've been paying you, which you haven't used to fix anything yet, and, and buy each of us a little eco tank. Yeah. I think that would be a good idea. But, but Fabulous idea. The thing is, if you don't have enough space, where are you going to put a tank if you're in a, a flat? or? Well, I was going to say, small... I know where I live. We're not supposed to, I don't know why, have rainwater tanks. Maybe because they're imagining Reading. those big 5,000, big, you know, they don't imagine the small modern day ones. But there's those little ones which ones. come up to about your waist. Yeah. Which but, are great as well, just for a little bit of water for the garden. Yeah. Well, Life as a Garden has thought about that. And oh. they have got on their newsletter and website the most interesting idea where you can just get those 300-liter rainwater. I want to say they call them barrels that you can almost buy on the side of the road or go mm-hmm. to one of your local plastic shops. And you get them and they're not expensive. And turning that into a rainwater tank. And they tell you all about how to turn it in, what fittings you need to buy. And you don't even have to be a plumber. I mean, I think it's fantastic. It's like a DIY harvest in your own rainwater. Then you could go out and actually make some money for yourself going and installing them into other people's houses. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it would be great because I know for me, I take my dustbin Mm. and, you know, my wheelie bin. And when I do my washing, actually all the water from my washing machine goes into my wheelie bin. And then I use that to water my plants. When I have basins inside of my basins, so anything that I do when I wash my dishes or when I wash my, my <laughs> pretend vegetables. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Pretending then, to wash vegetables which yeah. she doesn't actually have. Yeah, yeah with those sort of things. Then I take all that water and I'll either go and water my pots or water the garden or water the grass. And so I think there's little things like that that we could just do all the time. You know, mm. um, I have buckets in my showers. Me too. Which the kids think are the most bizarre thing in the whole world. <laughs> but it's just, and Life is a Garden was even saying 27% of the water that we use in our household is actually out to flush our toilets. Mm. And I mean, that's not even, that we are wasting good potable water where 
flushing our toilets. I, I know. It feels it's terrible. It breaks my heart. Mad. Yeah. And so if we had a bucket that was our shower water and, you know, then at least like for me, I carried all the way downstairs and water the garden with it. But actually I should just be using that water to refill the toilet. Well, you do. I have one so. which catches water for the plants, the pot plants outside. And the other one is into a bucket to use for the loo. And then the other one is to catch water for the kitty cats because they like drinking in the kitchen, uh, in the bathroom rather. Well, I was going to say my cats don't like the fresh water bowl that I give them every morning. They would much rather go and drink from the fish pond yes. or I have a, a plant saucer that they would much rather drink from yep. that. There's no plant in the saucer, but, <laughs> but there's water in it and they think this is the best thing. And I think maybe, you know, our pets know what's good for them yep. and they just rather drink from alternative water sources than the tap water. Yeah. Maybe they know something we don't. I might just like <laughs> drinking out of buckets or glasses, one of the two. It's quite <laughs> sweet though. And so, mm. and I think also, you know, the, I want to say harvesting water in a fish pond is also a strange thing. And I know that's what um, next month Life as a Garden is going to be talking about is more natural pools and putting out water sources for your birds and that type of mm. thing. But it is something that we should have in our garden is harvesting water, but maybe not to use on our garden, but for the insects, mm. for the other animals that might need it. Those little millstone a- rock things. Yes. Those are wonderful. I mean, they're so good for bees as well because they slope down and it's easy for birds to come and perch. Yeah. Just keep them out of the way of the cats if you have hunting cats in the back garden. Yeah. Well, I put a, a log into my tiny little fish pond mm-hmm. and then my friend's like, why have you got sticks? Well, she said it was sticks in my <laughs> pond. And I said, well, it's for the insects. Mm. So the dragon, the dams flies, you know, the dragonflies, they can come and land on it. If a lizard goes and crawls on it to go and get a sip of water, they're not going to drown. Mm. And so she's like, oh, okie dokie. So I think it's just little things like that, that actually if we're suffering from water, if our gardens are getting thirsty, imagine what Mm. it would be like in our environments. Because our environments have become so built up, are we creating water sources for the natural insects, the pollinators and those sort of things to be in our garden. Oh, my goodness. Those little critters are coming out in huge. (laughs) I love summer, but I do not love ants. I do not love moths. I do not love mosquitoes. And I do not love... Christmas beetles. Oh, no, those don't bother me too much. Tie a string to its leg and let it (gasps) fly in circles. We used to do that when we were kids. Come on. (laughs) You're killing me. And flies. Flies, 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 and moths. And moths I don't like because they fly like they're broken. And they're very difficult to catch. Oh, so flies. So just (laughs) Well, we learned a new thing. And I don't know the the science part behind it, Mm -hmm. but we have tested it. Is one of our customers said they're using the speck worm to get rid of flies. And I'm like, what? And actually, they were putting it around their restaurants and on restaurant tables, and it's working really successfully. Really? And So I'm not sure where the science comes in. I'm not sure if the speck worm absorbs a bit of moisture from the air, making it uncomfortable. But we are busy testing it, and it seems to be working really well. Okay, I'll do a test for us as well. I'll bring some inside. Yeah. So I thought that was quite Mm. nice. As You know, we normally say to customers for flies and for insects, you're going to use things like basil and lemon balm and your different herbs, and you put them in your kitchen or on your table. Yes. But I thought the speckworm, it doesn't even have a fragrance, and yet it must be doing something in the air that's making it uncomfortable. I know. Scientific research. We could give it to some of the horticultural bursary students. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it to my daughter. daughter. She can do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think the more people who could get interested in horticulture even Mm. from – because we hear these wonderful remedies and wonderful things that you can do in your garden and the benefits of plants. And sometimes maybe they're old wives' tales and we either have to prove them or disprove them. 
Like yeah, like me with the whole thing about putting <laughs> Epsom salts all over the garden. I'm still like asking everybody I come across. So what do you think about using Epsom salts in the garden? <laughs> this is my thing. And it's a, but it's, there's a line to draw. You can only use so much of it. Yes. Because it does kind of get into the soil. One mm. thing I do, like when I've been wandering around and looking at all the poisons that are available, which drives me absolutely nuts, I don't, <laughs> I don't use any in my garden, is um, using diatomaceous earth for ants. Yes, I use indoors that very and successfully. Outdoors. And it's yeah. like really good. It's, it's not dangerous for, for animals Pets, no. or people or, you know, just dangerous for ants. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's just like a dehydrating agent when they walk over it. It just... <laughs> Yeah. All their juices, and then they die. And it's also because it's got very, very, very fine, sharp edges, and it kind of like cuts them up as well. Oh gosh, oh. we sound like we're terrible. <laughs> this is like a horror movie. It's in a your horror garden. movie of ants. You just get the magnifying See, glass and look at all. That's of this. why you have beautiful <laughs> blooms to hide what all these things might be doing in your garden. Yeah, but, but it is always really important to yeah. remember that your garden isn't only for you. It is for the beneficial insects. Maybe there are some harmful insects as well that you want to try and get rid of. But I also think it's like the hardy does. You know, I know they're not an insect, but the birds. <laughs> Just in <laughs> no, case you another, didn't know what they were. In case you didn't know what a hardy dog is, if you've been living under a bushel for a long time. Yes. But, you know, they make a lot of noise and they wake us up early in the morning. But they're actually beneficial to our gardens. Yeah, they aerate they, the lawns if yeah, you have one still. They're doing – exactly. And they're doing such wonderful work in terms of providing – with aeration – for the earthworms to make, mm. you know, to be around. Mm. So it's normally a sign that you have good, healthy soil if you've got hardy dars. Um, the only thing, and I want to say it's good for the nursery industry as well because they dig up all our seedlings and the customers have to come back and buy more seedlings. So, <laughs> you know. Well, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> the, you see, there's a good thing for everything. But, but yeah. yeah, having beneficial insects in the garden, mm. I mean, you want to have them. Yeah. Okay, no, you don't want to have aphids. So you do want to have ladybirds. And then we, I saw on, on Facebook somewhere on a group where people were going, what poison can I use to get rid of ladybirds? <gasps> I was like, what no. are you talking about? Are you sure you're talking about ladybirds? Ladybirds, because why would you want to do that? You want to have them in your garden, you know. This is, and if you go and use poisons and to get rid of anything, okay, it's going yeah. to get rid of everything else as well. So you cannot go on a blitz attack. You yeah. have to focus on getting rid of stuff. Like I go and squish aphids with my fingers. Oh no! Oh no! I don't I have an issue with it. I see them; they're on my roses. I get go, 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 squish, 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 squish. We'll spray them, we'll spray them down, shake them off, and no. you know what? They don't come back again. So it actually works, but. Um, I mean, the, you can now buy ladybirds and they will be sent to you. Oh, I was going to say online. Yes, online. Oh, okay. Because I always wish that we would be able to sell them in the nursery, but I know you have to have a fridge to be able to keep them in. And so then I think, hmm. But you have a fridge at the nurseries. I know, but I'm saving it for Coca-Cola. And maybe for those people <laughs> who are healthy, I'd give them water from it, but <laughs> not for ladybirds. For iced coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a bit of chocolate sprinkle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think ladybirds and lacewings, yeah. you know, they are exceptionally good for aphids. They're and so hectic predators. Yes. Supersonic life, life as a garden described them as. And so I think you need to have that relationship in your garden. And as you were saying, when you do use pesticides, one, make sure you use them very cautiously, read the label so thoroughly, and then apply just where you might need them. Not like, oh, I think all my fuchsias are going to be infested with whitefly. Let me spray them. And actually maybe just spray the one fuchsia that is infested with whitefly. Whitefly has been quite a problem this season. That's one thing we have noticed, okay? Mm. And, and, and it's like everybody I know is going, what am I supposed to do to get rid of whitefly? And the 
aren't really that many remedies for whitefly, except getting it when it's really early. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I, because I was chatting to some of the pesticide people about the whitefly, and its life cycle is four and seven days. So when you spray in anything to get rid of it, and they were actually saying there's been research done in Australia that using mineral oils mm-hmm. are actually a very good remedy against whitefly, but it hasn't been registered yet. So just be careful, but you could still test it. Like so what kind you, of mineral oil? So you could use like oleum is a really good one. SK Eco Oil is a good one. Probably Litmix Insect Spray. Neem would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So those oils, but you actually do have to spray it in day one, day four, and day seven. Mm-hmm. And then you would be able to get rid of that whole life cycle of the white fly. Because otherwise, if you only spray it on day one and then maybe day seven or day ten, the eggs have had, had yep, time to hatch time to and hatch. then they start the whole life cycle again and it feels like you're fighting a losing battle. Mm. So um, that was quite interesting for me in terms of research that has been done to be able to try and find out because whiteflies have become such a problem in the last few years. Well, I haven't seen, as you mentioned, Christmas beetles and I think about that. That's Ooh. also another one that you have to get it at the right time because there's no mm. point in trying to get rid of them when you see them as the beetles because they're yeah. only going to be around for a day or two. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I mean, then we only kill those things, but then you haven't killed the eggs, which they have laid beforehand. Yes. And that's often in the soil. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think the Christmas beetles, I was surprised that we saw them about two weeks ago for the first time for me. And that felt really early. I was like, oh my goodness gracious me. And then I could see that they have started munching on some of the plants. But then I also, I'm one of those people who believe that you just plant more plants. So, <laughs> so you, give a, you give a little bit for the insects to eat, you know, a little bit for you, a little bit for your friend. Yeah. That's what good gardeners do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's a sign that there's a life cycle, that there's something happening in your garden if you have a few insect bites. But for those people who like perfect and prim and proper, then, yeah, the pesticides are available and you could just use them carefully. I think that's, you know, they really also – as companies they don't want to destroy the environment they're just trying to make sure that you have a pleasant gardening experience what i love about the nursery that (laughs) i visit you at is the fact that you have a a plant pharmacy yes i would love it if we could schedule have a schedule you know behind the counter schedule four and five drugs these are these are only only we're not clever yeah we're not really selling these to you unless you're really going to read the instructions properly But I do think also what's really important in a healthy garden is good food. And that also goes back to our watering. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're trying to save water in your garden, make sure you've used good compost, whether you're making it yourselves or you, and we've spoken about it so many times, Mm -hmm. but I think sometimes we have to go back to the basics because I think people, a lot of the times that we get a lot of new gardeners coming in and they're so excited to plant plants, but they see a beautiful plant and they think, okay, well, I can plant this and look after it. But they forget that it needs compost and maybe it a nice good mulch, soil, good it soil. It needs food, it needs water, yes. it needs all those things. And if you do those properly, then your plant will look amazing and everybody will have green fingers. Mm. But sometimes they'll say, oh, no, I, I don't have green fingers. And it's it's not really the plant itself. It's everything that goes along with it. And so, yeah, when you go and visit the garden centers, ask for help and get people to explain to you the joys of gardening. Or if you don't know, go yes. on to Life as a Garden because all the information that you need is there. And if you don't know something, you can send a message to the Ask an Expert and I will respond. Yes, <laughs> so that's what it be, would be, I think, because 
Goodness, we have lots of weird and wonderful questions, but that just challenges us and makes our jobs more interesting. Mm. Uh, especially if I'm sure on your Ask an Expert, you must have some fabulous questions coming through. Yeah, even about like, how do I farm tomatoes? I'm like, I think you need to get hold of the agricultural people. I wouldn't be able to answer <laughs> this. They like, <laughs> They're very good. Yeah, I actually drove past their farms, which was really, really interesting as well. So, mm. you know, on my, my around the country trip, mm. it's been very interesting seeing what people get up to and very heartening in so many areas to see that in some of the poorest areas as well, that people are planting fruit trees in, oh, in their yards. I, I was going to say, I love that. I mm. used to love when I was driving through the Northwest and you would see almost in every yard, there would be maybe a lemon tree or in the next yard, an apricot tree yeah. and mangoes when the, in the climates were warmer. Yep. And they, they didn't ever, I mean, I feel that they were so on trend before it was even on trend, like no grass. But that's how Just it used to be. Houses beautiful were plants. built back in the day. I mean, I, I remember yeah. all the old houses in Parkhurst. Everybody had like two fruit trees. The same thing happened in Soweto, that all the houses that were built, they were like had two fruit trees. Yeah. And then there's people like Tim Abba, who works for Nectar Farms, where he's okay. set up Nectar Farms, where yeah. he's been actually going out and he, he had no work. So he decided to start growing fruit trees. And then he was going to, like, he's, he's been going around and helping people set up food gardens at their own homes. Oh, Plus he give, like, gives them a fruit tree to grow yeah. and how to grow it. Yeah. So it's, he's been so successful with that in some of the poorest, poorest areas where the people now have food that they can actually not only have enough food for themselves, but they can share yeah. with their neighbors or they can sell it to him and then he sells it onto the the northern suburbs mummies for their oh, organic food. Nice. You know? I yeah. like it. <laughs> so it's it's definitely heartwarming to see that. And I just mm. wish everybody would get on yeah. this whole program and go back to being a natural gardener. Yeah. It's well, so easy. And I was going to say, it's not only growing food in terms of fruit and vegetables, but in terms of hedging. So mm. also like when we start driving around, how you see people using like the Davialis cafra as a hedge or you know the Duranta as a hedge or maize, oh, you know, so you're I'm fencing off your yard your... with maize. It's, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> There's something so... I'm laughing now because it just reminded me of when we were up in Polokwane. Yeah. And there seems to be, okay, first of all, when you go into Limpopo, it's the houses that have all been built have all got these like very ornate columns. And yes. I think the more money you have, the more columns you have. Okay. Then we notice this trend, which went from Polokwane all the way down through to Mokopani as well, that area, where everybody has these incredibly shaped hedge and uh, <laughs> but isn't topiaries and things. I was like, am I seeing things? I mean, why is everybody and doing these amazing topiaries? But everywhere. And so talented. Yeah. I mean, they make them so that they could be like seats that you could sit on. Yeah. Or I, th I think it's gorgeous. But I just also think it's such a nice natural way to... If you're going to hide your neighbor, hide your neighbor. Yes. You know, we don't have to have a, a six-foot wall to hide our neighbor. We could just have a wonderful planted hedge and our neighbors would still – We would it would actually even work better than, as a sound barrier than some of the walls or fences yeah. that we have. Yeah. And so I love the idea of using plants to protect us as well. It's quite a nice different thing. But um, And you do see it around, maybe just not as much as we used to. Yeah, but I, I see that hedging, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I hate hedges. I don't want yeah. hedges in the garden. Oh my gosh. But there seems to be a kind of a return to it, yes. especially a lot of people thinking, oh, I'd rather go for a bit of a formal vibe. And at some of the open gardens, you, we saw them. And the best, of course, is at Northwoods, where they've got a triple layer hedge in, in different colors. Oh, wow. But you know, got the short one, which yeah. is like knee height, and then another one, which is hip height, and then another one, which is taller, but they're all in, it steps down and it's all all different colors it just oh, looks so amazing beautiful yeah oh, so I it's like a sculpture a in the garden 
Yeah, that's very clever. Well, I was going to say, when we ask the customers when they're coming in and I see that they're buying a hedging plant, then I'm like, oh, is it to hide your neighbor? And the new trend is actually, no, it's to hide my rainwater tank. And I'm like, oh, that's even better. Yeah. So you're speaking to your neighbor and you're rainwater harvesting. It's like a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> so what yeah. else is Life with the Garden pushing this particular oh, month? Oh, the other thing that they're talking about. And when I first read it, I'm like, what? It was the zebra plant. So yeah. I'm thinking the miscanthus. Yes. Because I think of grasses and yes. outdoor zebra plant. And they were actually talking about the, the succulent. And I hope I'm going to say it correctly. Hawathiopsis. Okay. Attenuata is the right name for it. So it's and a, it's a uh, tiny little green succulent. Actually, it's most often sold as an indoor plant. Yes. Because it's very slow growing, green, and then it's got white stripes on it. And it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Almost so beautiful that you wouldn't think that it was an indigenous, outdoor, hardy, tolerate anything kind of plant. But it can be indoors okay. or outdoors, rockeries. And so they were busy talking about this as a universal plant. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's local is gives it two ticks up at least or more. Yeah. And um, it's just could be used for anything. And so its name is a zebra plant. And I was like, oh, I had forgotten that that plant was called the zebra plant. I didn't even know so, it was called a zebra plant. But, it, yeah. but this is the thing is that you don't have to have like with a water wise garden we immediately your mind will start going towards succulents mm. okay and all the cacti and aloes and things but one thing that i think people are starting to get on board with is like an agapanthus is water wise yes grasses are water wise okay so to have a water wise garden it doesn't have to just be a xeriscape Yes. You can actually have quite a lush garden and it can be totally water wise. In fact, you don't need to water it. Like my garden, yeah. for instance. <laughs> it's a tropical one. <laughs> you, can, you can even have a tropical garden, which is very water wise, as long as you group everything together properly. I think that's the most important thing. And so if you're hydrozoning, yeah. then once you start hydrozoning, then you could become, and I love the term the industry is actually using now to become a water wise warrior. Yes. I think that's fantastic. And I love the little logo that we have going with it. And I just thought everybody should ascribe to that you know try yeah. your best to become a water wise warrior. warrior a water warrior that's i am it. not just a water warrior i'm the water czar of the parks <laughs> <laughs> you see that's it <laughs> so, so brilliant this is amazing so for all mm. of this that you need mm. and and trust me we're going into el nino at the moment which means that we're going to be getting dryers like throughout the country as well it's not yeah. just like you know cape town had it a few years ago we're having it in johannesburg it's happening in the kzn as well and yeah. in the eastern and cape at least they've been getting and some i think rain the again. northern cape yeah no all I've over seen terrible photos from Kuruman yeah. and those areas there where it really is as long as the eye acid. doesn't dry out I hope not yeah but I was going to say I just think the rain that we're having is also seems like we spoke earlier but weird and wonderful but isolated or in funny patches mm -hmm. and yeah, so we just take what we can when we can yeah. and harvest it when we can. Harvest it. And if you want to find out the information about how to do it in a, a little barrel at home, well, then yeah. don't forget, get on to lifeisagarden.co.za and you can Absolutely. find all the information there. And you can send questions through. And if I don't know, then I always ask Carrie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah. us. Of course, um, we will get together again in I the not-too-distant so. future because I yeah. think it's a very good thing now that people are becoming more and more keen on actually being kinder to the environment mm. and and having a more gentle world to live in. So we need to talk Wonderful. about it. Excelente. And of course, for the rest of you, get out into your gardens this weekend, this very yes. weekend, or during the week if you don't have a full-time job, and enjoy it. Go and have a listen. See what's happening there. Go and check out what's going on in your garden. Up close and personal. So let's go. Absolutely. Yep. And we'll catch you again next week. Thank next you month. very much. Next time. <laughs> there we Thank go. you. <laughs> okay. And don't forget, above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.